Hello, everybody. This is Rick Manning, President of Americans for Limited Government. Thank you for joining me today. I um, want to talk about a couple of different things. Um, you know, we always hear about woke corporations throwing their weight around. Well, uh, Disney Corporation has been woke for a while. Um, they are, you know, few examples. Uh, their partnership with the NBA and uh, they've got a massive presence in China. Um, and during that, because of that massive presence in China, when ABC, owned by Disney, uh, showed things like uh, the map of China, they include Taiwan as part of China. They took away China, Taiwan's independence on their map because they're they were kissing up to the communists in Beijing rather than who they do a lot of business with. Um, they also tried to, you know, shutter any talk, any uh, actual discussion about uh, the slaves uh, that are manufacturing much of the goods that come out of China, uh, the whole Uyghur issue in terms of uh, the selling of, baby, of their body parts for transplant um, while they're still alive. Um, but because they're slaves, they have no say so. And uh, they get hooked up to a machine and they take their body parts until there's no more of them left. That's what happens in China. But ABC through Disney um, didn't, didn't talk about that and wouldn't allow people to talk about it. And when a NBA executive, the Houston Rockets general manager, um, brought it up, uh, you know, the National Basketball Association's icon of virtue, LeBron James, stood up for his corporate, for his corporate uh, masters and said, and denounced the Houston Rockets GM. You know, it's a so, you know, this is Disney is not it, this is wokeness is not new to Disney. Um, but something happened in the last two years um, that caused them to have to make a response. And that is uh, they had a new CEO who was trying to make uh, make a mark. And the state of Florida, Rhonda Santis, was pushing legislation that would make it so um you couldn't have uh, inappropriate sexual education discussions with children. Um, it certainly, you know, younger in primary grades. And the Disney Corporation uh, decided they were going to go after DeSantis for trying to protect children from groomers. And very publicly, and there was a big fight in Florida. Many of you may remember it. Um, well, DeSantis said, well, fine, you get, and I'm not going to say whether this is good or not. I'm just going to say what he did, um, because there have some, I have some problems with, with the idea that you exert government power this way. But fact of the matter is he did. And the government power he exerted, he said, you know, Disney has a special tax arrangement where they provide the uh, essentially the law enforcement on Disney property for, for Disney World. And and he removed that. He went to the state legislature and said, we want to remove a special, you know, the special treatment of Disney. Um, and they removed the special treatment of Disney, which cost Disney a lot of a lot of money. Um, and so there's a so what you had was uh, he they went to war against uh, Governor DeSantis. Governor DeSantis won the war and then and Disney faced a punishment for it. What and subsequently, um, Disney has uh, had an expectation that they were going to earn about $21 billion from the streaming service, um, Disney Plus. And what they didn't, and they fell 
they fell well below expectations, about a billion and a half dollars below expectations. They still had a lot of revenue come in. Let's be clear. It's not like they went, you know, they were, uh, they, you know, they weren't the CNN with their ill-fated uh, streaming service where they're trying to sell and get people to buy commentary by people who they wouldn't watch on TV for free. Um, but so they still made money, but they got a billion and a half is, believe it or not, for a big company like Disney, still a lot of money. Um, and their reputation, their brand was harmed because like, like I say, the former CEO, Bob Iger, was um, he led the charge in terms of uh, ESG woke investing and and having and meeting woke standards. So he's not a the, so the old CEO was is not a paragon of uh, capitalism who's sitting there and saying, "Well, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna you know, tarnish our brand." He just didn't do it so publicly on an issue that goes to the heart of who Disney is. And as Iger says, goes to the soul of who Disney is. Disney ultimately is dependent upon the perception that they are children's programming, that they are a safe place for children, for parents to trust their kids with. You know, the Disney, you know, the Disney Channel is is a place where you're supposed to be able to park your kid in front of them, in front of it, and uh, and not have not fear what they're going to see over the tube. And when it was and the fight that the Disney, former Disney chairman, the Disney, the CEO who was fired, um, the fight that they picked, um, really pushing something that most parents had no idea was going on in schools. Most parents didn't know their kids were being indoctrinated about, you know, about gay lifestyle and how to participate in the gay lifestyle and tra- transitioning and all that stuff when they're in first kindergarten, first, second, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. They didn't, most parents don't don't even it never occurs to them, but that was happening, and Disney supported it. And when parents found out, they said, "Wait a second, Disney's a problem." Not all parents. I know people who are who go to, still go to Disney, still watch Disney Channel and the like, but enough that it did harm the bottom line by a billion and a half dollars, presumably, as Disney Plus was completely dependent completely dependent upon that, uh, you know, that audience for, you know, doing the streaming service for Disney plus. So bottom line is the CEO gets fired in a surprise move. Iger is back. Um, and it's, and it'll be interesting to see how Iger and the board proceeds, uh, in this change. Um, will they, will they go back in the closet in terms of their, uh, wokeness and their uh, attempt to, uh, indoctrinate children on on very sexual issues that are really the parents' job. Um, but are they going to do that, or are they going to going to continue along the pathway that they've been on um, and just really publicly reveal to people what the pathway they were on within the last year and a half? Um, the ultimate irony here is they attempted to take down Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis uh, won an overwhelming electoral victory in November. And shortly thereafter, this Disney CEO who took on Ron DeSantis it finds himself unemployed, and the former CEO is back in back in charge. And it'll be interesting to see if they attempt to open up relations with Ron DeSantis and and the you know the government of Florida to try to restore some of the um, privileges that they had enjoyed for the last fifty years since their opening. 
uh, one thing I think is true, Walt Disney um, would not recognize the company that he founded. He would be embarrassed by the company he founded. And I don't think the people who are now running the company would care that he would be embarrassed because they're running their own agenda. And Walt's been dead for a while. So, you know, they've taken his name and they've turned it into something he would be, I don't think he'd be very proud of. Um, it's going to actually have some other ramifications because uh, the trademark on Mickey Mouse is, I think it's 100 years, is going to be coming up sometime in the next few years. And they keep getting, Disney keeps getting the trademark for, for Mickey Mouse extended. Um, so they have exclusive use. And at some point, um, and truth be told, they need a special something, Congress doing something, uh, something especially for them to get that done. And it'll be interesting to see how many Florida congressmen and congresswomen are willing to push that and push the extension of the Disney trademarks um, and not allowing them to go into the public domain. I predict that Mickey is about to become uh, any, anybody will be able to put Mickey on a cup uh, very shortly, but that's a, that's one of the problems when you go up, when you go woke and you basically declare political war on uh, half of America. Well, if half of if that half of America happens to, you need them to pass stuff for your corporate interests. Well, you know what? Tough. You lose. You bet wrong, you lose. And that's why Bob Iger is back. He's got to restore those relationships. And folks, Americans for Limited Government went after Disney on, on a lot of the woke agenda they were doing um, when it came to vaccine mandates and, and the like. Uh, they were one of the 20 companies that we targeted. We targeted the CEOs. And we sent thousands and thousands of emails to CEOs of major corporations, including Disney, opposing vaccine mandates in their private companies. Uh, we, we used our, our capacity to mobilize on Capitol Hill to mobilize at the corporate boardroom for places like Disney. And as a result, you know, they, it was felt. And so, you know, it's, it didn't. It didn't change whether. Didn't change that outcome, but public pressure mattered. And we and Americans for Limited Government. Those of you out there who participated in that a year and a half ago, um, made a difference because that board felt it. That the people were moving away from them. And the more the more the truth came out about Disney and what who they were and what they were doing, the more vulnerable they were because they're dependent upon. People feeling warm and fuzzy about Disney. People won't be willing to spend ten thousand dollars to take their two kids, you know, you know, family of four, to Disney for four days, and come out of it and say that was the best thing I ever did, just to kind of live the Disney dream. And when they discover that on so many things the Disney dream is really a nightmare, um, people say, you know, there's other alternatives for my entertainment dollars. Universal has uh, has Hogwarts. And can and has a Harry Cop, Harry Potter series featured. So, you know, kids, parents have a choice, and Disney's been paying the price a little bit. Um, and you know, you have a choice also, and it's what you want to do for uh, getting gifts for your friends. And I'm going to just suggest real quick that you consider going to our uh, GetLiberty.org. Um, hit the button for merchandise. It's on the lower left corner of your screen when you get to it. 
and pick up a, a calendar for it's got se- September 2022 through December 2023 and it and every single cartoon every month has a different Tony tune. I'll show you what uh, uh, what we look at today. This was October, for instance, this year. Um, the Department of Justice um, being Godzilla and uh, saying, I'm watching you. And the the parents were in, in this grasp, Faye Ray style from the old Godzilla or old King Kong movie, um, basically looking them in the eye and saying, let's go. That's a, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we have in there. We chose that one for October because we knew um, school starting in September. Um, there was a, you know, that people, parents would be just beginning to get engaged in terms of uh, what was happening in their schools, getting involved in PTAs and school board. And uh, so we thought, thought, thought that that was a great one for October. You've got 15 of those cartoons in there. Um, they are, it's high end. We're getting great comments on it. And so I'd encourage you, we we are unable to guarantee delivery after Cyber Monday, delivery before Christmas, after Cyber Monday. Uh, we're being told delivery takes about three weeks right, right now. We don't want, you know, we don't control that part of it. And so we want to leave a lot of wiggle room to make certain that if you order the calendar or any of the great items we have in a merch store, and I encourage you to look through it, um, that you get it in plenty of time in order to be able to uh, wrap it and get it to your your loved ones um, so that they can enjoy it um, under the Christmas tree on uh, on, Jan- on December 25. So that's a that's a quick pitch on that. You know, we talk about the going well, corporations going woke and going broke, but sometimes it's the politicians who get feel the brunt of it. Um, Major League Baseball, as many of you remember. Um, not this year, but last year, um, responded to pressure from politicians in Georgia uh, and corporations in Georgia, um, Delta, Coca-Cola, and others, responded to pressure and said, we're going to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta, where it was scheduled to be, and moved it to Denver, Colorado, um, costing the Atlanta area an estimated 10, you know, a huge amount of money. And, and it's, uh, and I'll look and see what it was because it's a total dumb amount attached here. Um, and so there was a lot of political repercussions for this because it is, and it was about $10 billion in, in economic benefit. There are a lot of political repercussions because the Democrat nominee, the Stacey Abrams, who never, ever, ever conceded that she lost the governor's race in Georgia in 20 and four years ago in 2018 against Brian Kemp. Um, she continued to, with a fiction that she had won and wouldn't never conceded. Um, she went to Major League Baseball. She advocated that the All-Star game be moved. And so when the All-Star game was moved, um, guess what? The people who were going to be the beneficiaries, who were largely people in Atlanta, which is her constituency, where she had to get votes out of, they were mad. And so she had to run ads claiming that she was against moving the All-Star game. And moving the All-Star game was actually Brian Kemp's fault. Um, And so it was a and so she's trying to she was trying to do the old. um, Gee, I I convinced I convinced people to hurt my area, hurt, hurt my state. 
but don't blame me kind of uh, kind of attempt to whitewash. And Stacey Abrams, um, so she's had to spend her campaign money saying, uh, I don't blame me, blame me, blame the other guy. And she got creamed. Uh, she she lost, whereas she lost by uh, one a little less than one percent of the vote last time. Uh, she got creamed this time. Kemp ran, I think, seven eight points ahead of her. So it was a um, a, a big vote vote for Kemp in the twenty in the twenty twenty two election. Um, and Stacey Abrams, who pushed the woke policy to the extent without any regard for the harm the woke policy was going to do to the underrepresented communities in, Atlanta, in Fulton County, Atlanta, and surrounding counties. No regard for the damage that the moving of the All-Star Game would have. She, for woke purposes, for personal purposes, a claim, a false claim, that the voter, the voter identification laws that were passed by the Georgia legislature and signed by Governor Kemp were, in fact, going to deny people voting rights. Completely false based on turnout data. And, you know, but, you know, she not letting, wanting to let a good, you know, the facts get in the way of a good story. She led the charge to, to, to hurt the state of Georgia because she didn't like the voting, the voting laws that were created. And the state of Georgia, the people of the state of Georgia came back and said, well, we, you know, we don't actually want a governor who's going to be at war with our, with, um, our businesses. We don't want a governor who's going to tell lies about what's actually happening. Uh, we don't want a governor who doesn't like, doesn't like the state of Georgia that you know that they would represent. So you know, you we're not voting for you, Stacy. So uh, unfortunately, Stacy Abrams has forty nine other states to to beleaguer, and so expect to see more of her around the country because she she has uh, she has enough. She's been able to raise enough money to be able to um, interject herself into. Uh, politics all over the country, and let's hope that people around the country, when she shows up, treats her the same way the voters in Georgia did, which is to reject her. Um, so once again, that's a Major League Baseball uh, going woke, um, but in this case, the the pain was felt by Stacey Abrams, the person who pushed them to go woke, because she ended up paying the price of Major League Baseball moving the All Star Game. She paid the political price of losing the gubernatorial race, with that being one of the major reasons why. The, the third group I want to focus on in terms of going uh, going woke and going broke, uh, well, going woke and, and causing them problems, um, is uh, an unlikely group. I don't think most people would expect to hear this group's name, but it's U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce has been well known to be, you know, the the big business. Uh, uh, the business supporters in Washington, D.C. They've held a lot of power in the past. They used to put money into independent expenditure campaigns to try to elect um, uh, pro-free enterprise uh, candidates. And now they don't do that anymore. They just don't. What they do is instead they, they put money in to elect. Uh, I, people are going to vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. Um, they did it two years ago. Some of their political staff quit over it because they were because they were taking. They basically decided in 2020 that they would rather have uh, Democrats in control of the House of Representatives than Republicans. 
That's what they decided in 2020. That's how they gave their money. That's how they did their endorsements. And similarly, in 2022, they were endorsing, you know, people like uh, Abigail Spanberger, who voted 100% of the time with Nancy Pelosi. Um, but they were endorsing the Abigail Spanberger over a free enterprise uh, Republican who ordinarily would have been a no-brainer for them to support. Um, Kevin McCarthy, who used to have a very close relationship with the chamber, um, extraordinarily close relationship, and so much so that um, he worked hand in glove with them when, when the Americans for Limited Government and others were fighting against fast-tracking the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You know, McCarthy was the majority leader, I think, at the time. Or he was a majority leader at the time. And he um, and he was he was working with all the business lobbyists. And the effort to get that passed was spearheaded by the chamber. And so he was working hand in glove with the chamber in terms of uh, politically. But right now, you know, just last week, he sent a message to the chamber and he encouraged them to change their leadership because he was tired of dealing with chamber leadership who were against the free enterprise principles that they claimed to represent. And it's made it clear that the once friendly relationship is now frosty. And, he, you know, and it's what happens when a, a group decides that wokeness and their board, by the way, the chamber's boards transitioned. They no longer have people, you know, the the oil guys and other big businesses on them. They now are being, their board is basically consumed by tech companies. Um, at least that's what's been reported. And so the te- and the tech companies are pushing the chamber policies to be much more oriented towards social issues and much less oriented towards uh, the financial issues that the chamber of commerce has traditionally cared about. And so they care less about you know, corporate tax cuts and more about whether or not they're going to, you know, there's going to be a wholesale ability to get uh, uh, puberty blockers and to first graders in elementary schools. And so that's your, so that's the transition, the fight, the yin and the yang. Um, and Kim McCarthy just said, hey, you know, I don't want to deal with your old leadership. You need to change the leadership. You want to deal with me. And they, and the chamber basically said, too bad, not doing it. Um, we're going to keep our leadership. And so what was once a very friendly relationship is now very frosty. Um, should uh, Kevin McCarthy become speaker, he will have a, you know, the chamber is going to have, uh, uh, is it going to have the access to the speaker's office that they once had? Um, a long, long time ago, I was uh, the coalition's director for J.C. Watts, who was the House Republican Conference Chair, and um, and so I used to meet with all the cor- with all the corporate people, with the uh, with the traditional conservative groups, with limited government groups like this one, um, and I used to meet with them on a weekly basis. And the chamber is always one of the lead dogs who we'd meet with and um, and kind of talk about what issues were coming up. Um, and try and get their input on different issues. Um, and, you know, and it was just a, you know, it's a conversation. We had the conversation with a lot of different people. Um, but they, but they had, they were able to get, you know, their message, what they cared about across. Didn't mean they got what they wanted. What it meant is they were able to deliver their message directly. And that's, that's unique. That doesn't, that doesn't happen for everybody. And, you know, so the chamber had a great relationship with Republican leadership in the past. Once again, it didn't mean that they got everything they wanted. What it meant was 
they were able to they were able to explain what they were hoping to do and why it mattered and and then you know i would push back and ask them questions about it and we'd go back and forth discussing it so i could better convey to uh, to my boss jc um what uh, you know what the issue was why the issue was um why they cared about it and you know and you know, and some potential, you know, and some counter arguments to it. Um, so JC can make an, an intelligent choice on whether or not he wants to support that issue or not. Um, now, the chamber's essentially a massive organization with a really nice building that has no cloud on either side of the aisle. I mean, I don't know. You know, you, they should. The board should have fired their CEO simply for managing to neuter one of the most powerful organizations in America in a very short period of time. And should have, you know, and the fact that they were more comfortable with Nancy Pelosi being speaker than with Kevin McCarthy being speaker or a Republican being speaker tells you everything to know about their emphasis about economic freedom versus social issues. And the fact of the matter is. Um, they've made a choice that they're no longer an economic freedom organization and they're paying the price for it. They went woke and now they're, now their power is going broke. So those are just three examples of uh, where we've seen wokeness uh, come back to, to bite people who thought it was either a good idea or that was benign. Um, and the fact is that's because you stand up, you pay attention, you make sure that people know what's going on so companies like Disney end up with the karma, the bad karma of, um, you know, having to to eat the stew that they the the sour foul stew that they produce. Um, I'm just gonna um, push a few things on here, um, Linda. Yeah, I I I know the Bob Iger is no good, but the difference is. Um, He's coming in with a board, a board that suddenly is, feels, I think, chastened about the pathway they've taken. I, I, it's my hope they'll be less aggressively um, uh, woke. I, I'm not putting an ad up saying anytime soon, saying, "Hey, go you know, go to the Magic Kingdom," and uh, because truth be told, um, I don't think they represent most Americans' values. Um, and that's up for people to understand and, and to make their own decisions on, though. Tasha Edwards Brown, I don't support Disney at all now. You're a perfect example of somebody who probably was a Disney supporter and uh, used to, you know, attend, go to Disney or watch the shows and the like. And, and when I was a kid, everybody watched Wonderful World of Disney. It came on, came on at, right after Mutual of Omaha. Uh, they came out at seven, so Wonderful World of Disney came on and went to I think nine. And then uh, Bonanza came on, and uh, and I never got to see Bonanza beyond the opening sequence of them riding through the through the paper that's on fire stuff. But for all these, remember that you know you know flash to it. But it's uh, but no, I mean when Bonanza came on, it was time to go to bed, and that's uh, but yeah, we always stayed up to see Wonderful World of Disney, and you know. Now we discover that Disney is not such a wonderful world. Um, James, sorry, too bad Disney no longer exists for me, and I certainly do not want my children watching. 
And once again, that's a that's an affirmation of how much damage uh, the woke trend has done to Disney's brand. Um, they're still making money. I mean, they're, they're a massive media company. And so they're still making money. But the fact is, um, there was never nobody in America would ever say what you just said, James, uh, about uh, about your in inability to expose your children to them. Disney used to be the safe space on the dial, and now it's uh, no longer that. Uh, I'm glad DeSantis did to Disney. I wish more governors stand up against both transgender in schools. Yeah, I mean, DeSantis, you know, wasn't afraid. He he went and did what he thought was in the best interest of people of Florida and what was morally right. And there's a, and stood up and said, we're not going to have our, our schools turned into grooming grounds. And that was a, and so he fought that fight and, and he won. And one thing that DeSantis did, I'm going to just move off of the comment because it's a little different. One thing DeSantis did afterwards, though, it's pretty interesting. He, during this election campaign, he then went to a lot of counties and campaigned for specific school board members. And so in Florida, DeSantis's victory wasn't just a top uh, victory at the top. His, his, he brought supporters in to school boards across the state in uh, counties across the state who will be standing up to make certain that this woke agenda doesn't infect their schools because he because DeSantis understood a simple thing. Education is supposed to be done at the local level. That means you need local school boards that are not beholden to the teachers union instead are beholden to the parents and the people. And so he went around the state and made that a point of emphasis. And, and so unlike a lot of uh, a lot of governors who might win a big victory, um, he actually translated his victory into coattails for for people who are way down the ballot on local elections and trans and translated into a, a massive victory top to bottom um, for uh, pro freedom uh, Americans. Um, and that's it's a, it's really he did it right. Uh, Betsy, you would think other Republicans would see that you can stand against wrong things. In government like DeSantis and win and start fighting back themselves. You know, they're, they are beginning to. I, I think we're seeing it a lot more. Um, you know, Texas, for instance, is uh, is fighting is fighting on the border stuff. Um, and they are going and trying to uh, and fighting on some of the ESG stuff. In fact, the, the treasurer of Texas announced that they were not going to invest any Texas money with any uh, any uh, investment firm that was pushing an ESG agenda targeting, you know, because the ESG agenda was, agenda was targeting oil. And so they were targeting the kind of the lifeblood of the Texas economy and said it would be stupid for us to allow people to make money off of Texas investments um, and Texas pension funds and other things, public monies that come from Texas, um, who are going to use that money to try to destroy Texas. So, so this, there's a pushback nationwide on this um, and things that three years ago, three years ago, yeah, about three years ago, um, Americans for Limited Government started a project where we were going to state treasurers and, and urging them to take, to basically divest their interest from China because communist Chinese abuses of power and things we've talked about before and talked about earlier. And we we worked it, we worked it, we worked it, and had conversations with different people. But as the wokeness became more and more clear, 
Now those treasurers, many of those treasurers are taking those actions. They're standing up against woke communities. They're standing up against China. Um, and it's and they feel empowered to actually say, I'm not going to be spending our taxpayer dollars on and, and allowing people to profit off of our taxpayer dollars who are antithetical to the values of our, of our taxpayers. The left's been doing this for a long time. And finally, state treasurers who happen to be more fiscally conservative and more free enterprise oriented are, are doing the same thing and holding them to their to, to account. So we're seeing this grow across the country and state, particularly the state level. And it's a it's really it's a long time coming, but it's a it's a great thing to see. Um, and Heidi um, Erickson, how protect our children. Yeah. You know, you remember when when Bill Clinton used to run around saying it's for the children. You know, he'd run around saying that, and it was always a lie. But you know, you, it was kind of the and for the children, for them was always let's spend more money on programs, let's do that kind of stuff. Um, and it was never really about the children. It was about expanding the 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 administrative state, the welfare state, and because every time you can hire more government employees, you know, there's a, a Three, a two in three chance that you just gave a, you know, created a, um, a Democrat job. So it's a, and that's about the, it's about 80 20 in the federal government actually now. But point is, it's a, you expand federal, you expand government and, and federal government in particular, and you're, you're effectively um, expanding the political base for the Democrat party. Um, but it's never been about the children. And, you know, all you need to do is look at the um, when somebody, well, they, when a producer gets caught doing something um, um, horrific, we, you know, we see where we've got teachers who are saying, well, I'm going to teach uh, the transgender agenda and no matter what they do. I'm going to do a, I'm going to make sure they, you know, we're going to teach uh, history to fifth graders through a, a queer perspective and all this weird stuff. And you sit there, you look at it, and they say, they say, these guys, I don't care what you are. What I do care is you don't get to drag, you don't get to put it into our children. You need to teach them, you know, it's just not what you're hired to do. The American Library Association uh, decides that it's their job to make certain that there's um drag queens reading books to children, young children. I mean, what are they thinking? I mean, you know, didn't we want our kids to go to the library? We used to think you could send your kid to the library, they can study and, you know, and, and, and now I don't think you can. So a lot of the institutions have been destroyed, but that's a, you know, that's something which we're, you know, which, one by one, you know, one firing at, at a time, we're going to have to drag them back. But ultimately, it's you who's going to drag them back. It's not, uh, it, it's not big groups. It's going to be you who does it at your local level. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, uh, yesterday, we talked about Jack Smith, who was special counsel um, appointed by Mer Merrick Garland. And we talked about Jack Smith's bungling of, well, not bungling, um, abuse of power when he basically was, ran a prosecution against Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell and expanded the definition of corruption 
so broadly that virtually anybody would be considered to be guilty of bribery. Um, and there was no one, no one who could have escaped a prosecutor who was intent upon prosecuting them and destroying their careers. And so, uh, and the same guy uh, who was jumped to the forefront of the Lois Lerner IRS scandal when it was discovered that as the head of the FBI Office of Public Integrity, he was chomping at the bit to be able to prosecute um, people who were attempting to follow the law that the Supreme Court had just, had just put into place, uh, the Citizens United decision. And he was chomping at the bit to prosecute people, not because he thought he was going to have a chance to win, unless people just ran out of money and he could coerce them to, to plead guilty. No, it's because he wanted to intimidate people. He wanted to make it so, he wanted people to feel the pain of trying to be involved in the political process. And so this, this neutral individual um, who, after we got done with the live stream, it, it was reported, um, whose wife uh, gave $2,000 to the Biden reelect campaign in 2020, um, who personally, uh, or whose wife also was is listed on IMDb as a producer of the Michelle Obama docu documentary called Be uh, Becoming or My Becoming or I'm Not Becoming. I'm not sure what it's called, but um, it's a but yeah, she was involved in, in producing a Michelle Obama documentary. So we know what the political leanings of at least his wife is. And that doesn't mean that those are his political leanings. But it's certainly when you, combine, when you combine it with the other things we know, it certainly makes it very clear that Merrick Garland in appointing him has told the world that this isn't about a fair, honest investigation. This is about episode four of the Democrats who attempt to use the federal government power to get Trump. And these guys are never gonna gain, are never gonna stop doing this. They they are obsessed with it. And it's it's dangerous. I'm tired of it. I think you're probably tired of it. And we're gonna stand, we're gonna stand up and fight them every step of the way um, by exposing exactly who they are. Um, I've got a couple more. Um, Governor of Florida did the right thing. We need to put woke back in his place and take America back. You know, we do. And one of the things that's really kind of difficult is um, so much of the investment community is now woke because they make, you know, I'll tell you a dirty little secret. They've got these things called ESG investments. And it's you can invest in uh, a plan that is uh, environmentally social governance, governance plan that is supporting the far left in, on everything ranging from uh, the Green New Deal stuff to uh, trying to go after corporations, you know, a PayPal that's uh, that's gone after the state of California or Colorado for the audacity of not in, of saying that uh, transgender or having separate bathrooms for transgenders or allowing transgenders to use the bathroom that doesn't comport with their biological sex at birth. Um, and North Carolina said you, you know, basically said no to um, to people who were the wrong sex going into bathrooms. And PayPal led a revolution against uh, North Carolina. They ended up rescinding the law. They moved the All-Star game from Charlotte, North Carolina. And the NBA did uh, move the All-Star game from Charlotte, North Carolina is part of that. And, um, and so, and the politicians essentially caved. And in Florida, Ron DeSantis didn't. He fought back. He pushed back. And he... And, you know, 
he won. Um, and America won. I read they rehired the previous book. Uh, yeah, Juliana, they did. I, I, I reported on that. Bob Iger is, is woke. Um, but the fact of the matter is um, the very fact that they had to fire the person who was the face of the of trying to impose transgender and gay ideology into the Florida public schools, the fact that he, they fired him and replaced him is the story. You know, essentially, Bob Iger has been extremely woke. He's turned Disney into he turned Disney into a woke company, and I and so this doesn't mean Disney's any better per se, but the person who led the charge. This is the cautionary tale for CEOs. If you lead the charge on something that puts your that that hurts your brand as a company, your board of directors just may replace you, even if they agree with you. So you've got a so the the change up here is by having a CEO lose his job, it every other CEO looks at that and say, wait a second, I got to be careful here. And so rather than the knee-jerk acceptance of the demands of the far left, the green left, um, they have to look at it and say, wait a second, is this gonna hurt my is this gonna hurt the corporate brand? Is this gonna end up you know, biting, biting me later on? And because of this. It changes attitudes. It's a step in the right direction. It's a, you know, you're, it's a monolith that we have to try to uh, derail here. But this is the first step in derailing it because once a CEO realizes they're going to lose their extremely profitable job and are going to be forced out of the pinnacle of their career, once they figure that out, they're going to ask, is it worth risking my job, my career? Over and the money that it comes with it, is it worth risking all those things in order to appease a bunch of people who parade around in, in, in masks and attack public buildings? And the answer is no. And as the CEOs figure that out, I think we're going to see a lessening of the woke agenda because it's one thing when it's free, when you can go off and you can appease these people and, you know, and you get praised at the cocktail parties and everything and you know, that's one thing. But if you appease them and then you lose your job, well, that takes a different level of commitment. And most CEOs don't have that level of commitment. And so this, at very least, I think will slow the growth of ESG in the corporate boardroom, which is the first step in returning sanity into our corporate investing world. And with that, I'm going to uh, sign off. I, I appreciate everybody who's come on here and the, and the uh, different questions that have been answered. Um, we may be um, back on tomorrow. I will encourage anybody because we're going to, you know, we're going to be off on Thursday, Friday. So we're, so we're not going to be here to talk about this on Black Friday. Um, we're going to be, we won't be here on Saturday. We won't be here on Sunday. So the next time I'll be talking to you is going to be on Monday. And that is the last day that you can get. The, the calendar, the 2022-2023 calendar um, for your for your loved ones, for yourself, um, and a guarantee that you're going to get it before Christmas. So um, I don't want you to miss out because you don't get reminded on Monday. So uh, go to getliberty.org and hit the button for the ALG merch store and get your calendars on order now, and you will have them well before Christmas. Um, if you wait past Monday, I can't guarantee I can get them to you. And we want to make certain that we are able to deliver 
this quality product into your hands in a timely manner. So we appreciate your uh, your support. We appreciate all you do. We appreciate you uh, hanging in with the broadcast. And we will talk to you likely tomorrow. It, it depends on what kind of happens around here in terms of time demands. But uh, I'm hoping to be able to talk to you all tomorrow. With that, if I don't, if you don't see me, if I don't see you, have a happy Thanksgiving. Take care.